you know, you hear all these voices that actually were not helpful, which were of lines like, it was for the best, it was nature's way, it was meant to be, you'll have another baby, don't you think it's time to get on with your life? So I did go back to work, and it looked like I was functioning. You know, I, I gave the appearance that everything was okay, and um, I was probably still in shock, and I just numbed myself. And I think that trauma does that to you. I think it um, does numb you, and so you can go on. But after a while, it's going to catch up. Two years ago, at six months pregnant, we lost our baby girl to an undetected external infection. And what has followed took us down a path we could never have predicted. You know, I was used to getting pregnant quickly and unassisted. The infertility journey came as a surprise. No one talked to me about getting my ovarian reserve tested. You know, no one told me that just because I got pregnant easily with my first and my second, it it didn't mean that I could expect the same with my third or fourth for that matter. I thought IUIs were a for sure thing. I thought IVF was a one month process and that that's just the physical part. All these assumptions were incorrect, but why would I know any better? I'm Emily Getz, and this is the Day One Podcast, a show dedicated to the unspoken side of fertility. Here I share my story and bring together moms, dads, parents-to-be, doctors, specialists, and healers to help break stigmas, normalize the conversation. Let's bring education to the forefront and most importantly, build a community so the journey doesn't feel so lonely. I don't know how to intro this conversation. Um, I All I'm going to say is that I have yet to hear from any source how a parent is dealing with having to manage their child going through fertility struggles and what that means to them and how they're handling it. Um, And my mom has so graciously explained her experience having to support me Um, and also how me publicly sharing my story has created even a bigger bond between us because it's opened the dialogue. Um, Also, she has her own fertility journey to share which is heartbreaking um and quite triggering so if you are listening to this and you are pregnant I actually would recommend potentially holding off it is that um kind of dramatic or or devastating of a story um So you can see why this episode is entitled An Open Dialogue. It is the very first time my mom and me sit down to have such a authentic and real conversation of it all. It truly is a 40-year fertility story for her and I'm just so proud of her. She's so brave in sharing this. Um... I will leave it at that. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Emily. I feel like um, it's like here we are going to have a a normal like a normal conversation about the biggest life events in this formal way. But you're my mom, so it feels. I'm like, how do I start this? I know, I know. It's really an opportunity for us to talk about things that have happened in our lives and our experiences as a mother and daughter as well. Yeah, and I want to preface this for everyone listening. I would say that this is probably, this is the first time we've ever really talked about this, right? Yes. I mean, you've... you've You've shared your um, high level, like your experience with infertility and and um, and the years that came before me. But I don't think we've really talked about them in detail and then also how 
my experiences have kind of blended into yours. I think the word blended is so um, appropriate. Yeah, and it's such a generational story, fortunately or unfortunately. Very true. (laughs) Very true. I mean, this is for you. This is the first time that you're talking about like a 40 year story because you thought at the time maybe it ended when I was born, but then now I've had to go through all of it. So it brings up, it kind of continues your story through infertility, which is unexpected. Yes. And it's something I wouldn't have wanted for you. Yeah. Um, Certainly. But at the same time, just being here and talking about it is the way we've turned our difficult um, events and towards positivity. And I think that we both share in that trait. I feel like um, I was so scared to create the podcast and I was nervous to like come out and tell my story and stuff and I sort of feel like this is your moment <laughs> in your life like the day one podcast has created a space where you feel safe and you feel like it's your time now to share mm-hmm. a big story and if this is as far as day one goes t- to give you a platform for you to feel like you can share your truth and your story I feel like it's all been worth it well that's so generous I'm going to remind you um, how this came about so you allowed me to be brave and step forward because when I heard the trailer to your podcast day one (laughs) and the audience that you were addressing um, who would listen to it and learn from it I felt that there was one that needed representation and I came forward to you and said, what about the grandparents and the future grandparents uh, as well? Because we have been affected by our children's losses and our, their struggles with fertility. And I knew that we could benefit from being educated um, from, by your podcast as well as being able to maybe for the first time for some of us, really open the conversation with our children and our family and our friends. So I thank you for this opportunity. And I think that the generation that listens to this episode will be thanking you because you are also (laughs) giving them a gift by sharing your story. So there's a big ripple effect in this episode. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know you you came to me with wanting to do this and I I just hope that I can um do your story justice and and lead you to where this story deserves to go so off the bat like from the bottom of my heart thank you so much for doing this and I know it's important it's important because already Since you started, I have had friends who I had no idea had miscarriages or struggled with um, fertility finally tell me their stories. And I could also talk to them about the things that you were going through. And I realized that some of their children were also going through IVF. Um, So, yes, I think our generation who were secretive or suffered alone uh, when we did have our own losses uh, finally we'll be able to talk about them Uh, so this is really big yeah and I think that um, well first off I feel we've we've always been close but like all probably mother-daughter relationships (laughs) there's been years of time that I felt (laughs) I needed to spread my wings um, which could be a whole other episode of podcast. <laughs> At least one, if not more. <laughs> yeah. um, 
And I think when I became uh, a mother, it bonded us in like a way I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and what has been even more um, eye-opening for me is since everything with Ruby, it also like cracked open something else with us. And not everyone has the same story that we are about to share, but mm-hmm. that you are about to share. But my point is, I think that by me saying I'm open to talking about infertility I'm open to talking about what IVF looks like it allowed you to not feel like you couldn't have probably some of the questions or conversations that Mm -hmm. you wanted to have because you didn't I think some people that um are going through this I'm sure their parents are are like a I've never heard of IVF IVF is so new right or it wasn't really happening during my time but I don't want to put more on on you know my child by like I put this in air quotes like bombarding them because I feel like parents think that's what they're doing so I'm not going to do it so then you're like that generation's then in the dark of it and it's this whole loop like what are your thoughts on that well that's like this is a big relief Mm -hmm. because it's exactly that what I've been going through for a very long time since the loss of Ruby I've really almost felt uncomfortable asking you about your experiences. I would second guess, am I asking too many questions? Am I invading you and Ev's privacy? Um, I want to make sure that there's boundaries. Um, It was like I was walking on eggshells and it was was, uh, uh, difficult because I didn't want to upset you. And yet I couldn't even ask you, am I upsetting you? Um, I think finally I've been able to say, can I ask you questions? And you've given me the, you know, permission to finally ask you what has been on my mind, whether it be my, you're right. I didn't know anything about IVF. I didn't have to go that route Mm -hmm. or how can I support you? Or how are you feeling today? Am I asking you too many times how you're feeling today? And you could be honest. I think honesty comes up a lot and the and fear of um, being uh, over protective or over indulgent or what what have you as mothers that made me um, uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, I'll take some onus in the fact that I'm sure in our <laughs> decades of of building our relationship, I haven't always been um, an open book for you, mm-hmm. I would say. So I can understand why that would be your first reaction to it. And I think as I'm growing and as our relationship is growing, um, I've opened myself up too. So I think yes, part of that yeah. is just who Mm. I am but it's also a very delicate subject it's something that we like what's the difference between secrecy and privacy Mm -hmm. you know that is a kind of slippery slope yes I think that you know you don't think about saying to your parents I'm if you have questions I'm happy to answer them you're kind of like this is what's going on right and what I'm hearing from you and maybe this would shed light or help some people that are listening is like we kind of forget I like I'll be honest like you weren't in my sphere of being like I need to make sure she understands everything although now that I'm hearing this I'm like wow you being even a little bit more educated would have been even a bigger support I can see the disconnect between those two Mm -hmm. um so, yeah, like I feel the article and the podcast and all of these things, I didn't understand that me opening up was going to bond us and make us stronger and make you an even bigger support, if that's possible, for people that know you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't realize that was going to be um, like one of the more positive things that came out of this. So, so mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. What is um, driving, I would say, this 
conversation and what makes our story very unique is that you have your own challenging, um, devastating, sad, like, oh, I can't even um, story yourself. And you have graciously decided to share. And I think it's, it's, I don't even know how to introduce it. Where where would where would you like to start? Well, well, when when you uh, welcomed me here, I didn't want the podcast to be focused on my story as much as I wanted it to be a chance for you know grandparents to have the opportunity to get educated around fertility. But your story and my story, or in some ways, there's there's parallels and I think it's important to um, also understand the times and how that's changed and yet how more how much more change has to still occur so part of it is maybe being having the first opportunity to tell my story in not in a lot of detail of course but to tell it and get it out there is good for me as well as maybe other people hear that story as well and can maybe tell their children or friends their story so I think it might be beneficial in many ways so shall we we could start yes um uh so you are almost 37 oh man you had to tell everyone (laughs) they know I'm 37 yes Okay. Almost 37. <laughs> yes. Yeah, almost 37. Yeah. So um, early in um, my marriage, I had two miscarriages, early miscarriages, um, which was obviously a surprise. I, I too thought we were, dad and I were ready to have a family and that I would get pregnant and we were excited. And then one miscarriage happened and a year later we had our second. But I really want to talk a little bit about the recovery of the second. Even though it was early, I was really not well. Um, there was a lot of bleeding and I didn't realize that I had a loss of iron And um, I had planned, you know, I'm a teacher, I had planned on teaching summer school. And uh, it happened at the end of June, the miscarriage. And I realized that I was in no shape to go back to teach that summer. So asked for a letter uh, from my doctor so that I could submit it to break my contract. And when I did uh, get that letter from the secretary, um, the secretary handed to me and said, um, oh, you can't go back to work. I had a miscarriage and I went back to work immediately. And there was a tone in her voice that was very judgmental, as if there was something wrong with me, that if you have a miscarriage, it's no big deal. You should be able to go back to work. Um, and it left me feeling pretty... Um, um, it upset me. It upset me. It was upsetting. And I think I was so surprised I couldn't really say anything back to her. I mean, so upsetting that you are talking about it, what, almost yes, 40 years yes, later, like right? Yes, I finally can yeah. say, like, you know. But I think it's also important because sometimes women um, who you would expect would be always sympathetic uh, to other women, um, at least in my time, is they don't realize that every circumstance is different. Every woman is different. Every woman's emotions and reactions are different. So it's more support and, you know, put the judgment away. Uh, so that was one thing that as I'm older now, um, maybe I, that was a good lesson for me. Uh, in terms of of how I even look at other others' circumstance, so um, anyway, um, we tried for a year to get pregnant again, and uh, that wasn't happening. So 
we were recommended to see an infertility specialist. And we went through all the tests and the procedures, I think very similar to what you, what goes on today. I don't know if there was, I don't know if there's any changes in that regard. But after six months, I did become pregnant and um, I became a patient of a high risk uh, doctor who at the time was chief of obstetrics at the leading uh, Toronto hospital. But unfortunately, I'm going to say it, his ego uh, got in the way of listening and caring. And there were a lot of warning signs and signals that he completely missed, as well as a lot of complaints that I had. Um, for example, I was telling him that I was short of breath and that I was in constant pain, at which time he said, ha ha, if you think you're in pain now, just wait until you feel the pain of your labor. And I think as first time mothers, you know, at least for me, I was so kind of naive. I remember saying something to a friend who had him as her doctor and she said you don't have to love your doctor he's the best and I as long as the baby's okay then okay so there again not having a voice and maybe this, this whole experience helped me have one finally but um, I'm just telling you the story because it led to unfortunately not realizing that this baby had hydrocephalus and that the pain that I was experiencing was from a shortness of breath because she was breech and she hadn't turned. So her head was in fact um, larger and um, compromising my, uh, the area of in my in the lung area. So um, we didn't know that but she was full term and she was delivered um, and died during um, right at the end of the delivery. Um, yeah, that was a shock because there were no ultrasounds done on me. There was only one ultrasound very early in the uh, pregnancy. We didn't have all these tests. We didn't, nobody measured anything. We didn't have an, you know, we had no clue. And so the shock of we're going to deliver this baby together and we're going to have this baby together, um, dad was with me. And then from it to turn into a nightmare um, and then to be told, because I was put under anesthetic, so to be told when I woke up that, she had died, uh, had a daughter and she had died, was absolutely a shock um, and very, very sad. It was very, very sad after, you know, this whole year um, of infertility and then miscarriages and the excitement all around me that I finally was going to have a baby um, was really, was really, really hard. It was very, very hard. It doesn't end here. It gets better, actually. <laughs> it does get better. Yes, I know. Um, but I can't, you know, I think about you because I just, you know, you, you never want to compare your experiences. They're different. But, <clears throat> like, the thinking that you were going to have her and mm -hmm. then not mm -hmm. is, I can't even... Um, like, I don't even have words. And it's so serendipitous because today she would have been Yeah, she 30 was born today. Today, yes, on the 30th. Yeah. And she would have been... Uh, she would have been... She was... 39? 38. 38, because I... Because yes, yes. the other part of the good part of, yes. the, of our story. And but I, I think you may... I wanted to say something. I think we can't compare experiences. I really don't. I think loss is loss. 
loss is loss. I think it's this hope for the future that you have with your child and that's taken from you is the hard thing about it. You now are going through something that I didn't have to go through. So, um, right. Yeah. But I did want to say that times were different when you lost, uh, when you did lose a, a baby. Um, there wasn't any support. I did have a social worker who came in and suggested, thank goodness, that I name her. And I think that gave me, gave her an identity and that she mattered and she existed, uh, was like very, very important. But other than that, I had no support, no continuation with the social work services. Um, I got pills to dry up my mouth, basically. And then the doctor never even came to visit me. He sent his assistant who walked in and said, why aren't you off the bed? If you had a baby, you'd be walking already. Not listening to anything that I had to say um, or understanding the circumstances. Um, I think things have changed a lot from that. I'd say time. yes and no. Yes and oh, yeah. how has... How, I don't know. I don't. How, do you relate I, to that kind yeah, of not I mean, being heard? I think that there's still a lot of work to be done in terms of aftercare, whether it's an early trimester miscarriage or it's a late pregnancy loss. I still think there's a lot of work to be done. I think there is um, resources if you want to be proactive, but mm-hmm. I don't feel like there is. Um, programming in place where you kind of go through almost like a support program after something like that do you remember that when which is like a another um piece that i don't know if we'll get time to talk about but when you came home after you had to deliver ruby and um i mean i'll i'll we didn't have to say anything that our eyes met and I knew mm-hmm. what you were feeling. But I asked you if you had a social worker, mm-hmm. that if they had given you a name of a social worker and that I had suggested that you get some therapy around that. Do you remember that? Yeah, they, they did give me a name and I think she followed up. I, I do think at the time um, I had a therapist Oh, okay. Right. That I was talking to anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then dad died. That's right. So I, f- I do feel like only yeah. now am I starting to like, I do the work. Um, but I, I've talked about this a few times on the podcast around, um, yes, like in the, in the, um, beginning few months after Ruby and my dad and dad and all that stuff. Um, it feels like a blur, but I've now sort of don't look, I look at Ruby as like a, like she changed my life. Like I have impact, she's impacts my life every day. Like day one wouldn't have existed (laughs) and the career path I'm taking. There's so many things she does. Like I feel she's kind of alive still like within, within me. First off, are you open to sharing the name? Yeah, I was going to say that in, in uh, not in the same way, mm-hmm. but Sephora, yeah. we named her because it, it means little bird. Uh, only, it took me a long time to get to where you are about Ruby, mm-hmm. right? And I was actually um, impressed with how quickly you understood that. Um, it wasn't. It was. It took me a long time to realize that I developed into the kind of person and enriched my character because of that loss. It made me understand a lot. Of course, I appreciated you and um, your brother every single day. I never took took that for granted. I used to say to you, you know, I thank God every day for you, and she goes, No, you don't. <laughs> and I go, Actually, yes, I do. I might not say it out loud, but I do. I do say it, so, yeah, but, um, yeah. <laughs> um, 
to go one step further here, mm-hmm. maybe you had your experience with Sephora, so then you could support me through this. Well, I had you, mm-hmm. right? And you were a very because of that i had that that circumstance uh allowed for you to come into my life which is very interesting when you think about that so you went go ahead i wanted to just uh kind of go back a little in because i think it's important and i think many women will relate to this um I gave myself two months before, uh, after uh, support died, to, you know, to get healthy. Uh, physically, I, I really needed to recover. And I gave myself two months to go back to work. Um, I used my sick days. Uh, I'm think it's important to advocate now for women to have paid sick days uh had I had probably uh paid sick days I might have taken off a little bit more time but you know you hear all these voices that actually were not helpful which were uh, lines like it was for the best it was nature's way it was meant to be you'll have another baby don't you think it's time to get on with your life? So I did go back to work, and it looked like I was functioning. You know, I, I gave the appearance that everything was okay, and um, I was probably still in shock, and I just numbed myself. And I think that trauma does that to you. I think it um, does numb you, and so you can go on. But after a while, it's going to catch up. After a while, when you don't talk to anybody, you don't tell your stories, you feel guilty because you're still feeling, you don't still feel right. You're still crying. And everybody's saying, like, enough already. Um, It catches up. And two months after that, I crashed. And I went into a depression and I still got up and went to work, but I barely, I was just surviving every single day. And I was in a very um, gray place all the time, you know, uh, my mood. Um, and I wasn't feeling hopeful. It was like, wow, I, I don't know, will I ever have a a baby again um and I have to say a good friend of mine who I'll forever be grateful suggested that March break was coming up that we go on a trip to New York City and her words were I want to show you that there's life after your loss and um it was a very important trip it was a very important turning point uh, I went and I had seen a new doctor, a new hospital, and a new beginning. And little did I know that on the, I was pregnant with you. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting choked up. Yeah. On that trip. It's funny, too, because I, <laughs> you know, that person that took you on the trip, I always feel like she's a little part like her dust just a little bit part of me it's, it's like a godmother for me you oh, know yeah. and she became your godmother yeah actually. and i yeah. you know it's so all the, of that yeah I, yeah the thing is is that people want to help yeah and they don't know how and um they often say things because they just don't know what to say that really aren't helpful and um maybe what do you think i guess about like maybe the better way is for people to ask like what do you need or what do you want or you know what can I do um rather than just do things or say things because 
they really don't know. Should, what do you think? Do you think people should ask, how can I help you? How can I support you? Yeah, I feel like this is such a tricky question because I think that when I was asked that or when I'm even asked that now, I'm like, I don't even, I don't, I don't really know. But I think doing nothing is, there's always something. Even, even saying, I don't know how to support you, but I'm here. Even like a card that's like, I know you're going through something. I just want you to know I'm thinking about you. Mm -hmm. Um, Though knowing that your support system is there and that you can tap them when you want them to come in mm-hmm. for me has been um what's kind of held me together see I think that's really good I think that's the language that you need I don't even that's what I was talking about honesty I don't know how to help you or I feel helpless or I feel at a loss you know um I'm here right you know and wait for for you just knowing that or like you said a little card or yeah a yeah. phone call a little text thinking of you or what have yeah. you I think when you're going through um uh, when you've it's a, any pregnancy loss and this is the like again I use you know early trimester first trimester mm-hmm. miscarriages as an example because I feel in society they to your point they're just like move on it's a loss of a whole dream and a whole life and I an example of loss is like a shiva right it's like you have this week of a shiva and yeah. everyone's around you and then they go away mm-hmm. um for those that don't know uh, a shiva in the Jewish re- religion is um the way you honor the family that has lost a loved one and you kind of for a week bring food and come over and then it kind of goes away and it's the same thing with like any kind of miscarriage it's it's for me it's people in my life that are still checking in like they're in it for they're in the marathon with me they're they understand that this isn't over and I also resonate a little bit with your like put I think some people think I definitely put a face on with the Ruby and dad thing um and I think that I don't think that is necessarily true I think I'm still working through it and I'm doing all this mindset work that has allowed me to shift as mm-hmm. well but even if you even if somebody is is as okay or as fine or whatever still the still that little like I'm sure you've had a moment or I'm sure you're going little things like that go a long a mm-hmm. long way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well even when you were going through all those disappointments during we we, we we're talking more of our losses now rather yeah. now you're we're we're hope, going to sh- shift the conversation to you and your journey in um, uh, fertility but during all those disappointing times you know uh, where things didn't work out you tried um, and then you had the atopic pregnancy and then the second round didn't you know work and um I felt like I was always at how are you feeling how are you feeling how are you feeling you know and that's maybe hard to answer is there a better question I could uh, ask ask you (laughs) is there a better question you could ask me um I don't think so mom like you're (laughs) You are, um, how do I, you, you've, I don't feel like you have ever crossed a line, Mm -hmm. but I know in my early years, we keep on going back. Well, I think this is the thing, right? It's like you build a foundation and we're going to talk, I'm talking strictly mother daughter right now. Mm -hmm. You build a foundation and you become an adult and some of those it's still resident of like how we used to might have been. So I think part of your hesitancy has come from earlier years of me not wanting, like being pretty blunt of like, yeah, do not talk right. to me, you know, like, I don't like, don't ask me how I'm doing. Um, so no, I think that how are you feeling 
checking in, thinking about you, mm-hmm. like you can't go wrong. You know, you can't go wrong. Okay. Even if the person is like, I don't know how I'm feeling or they decide to say I'm good. J- just the acknowledgement, I think, is okay. um, gone a long way for me. Which um, brings you back to, not brings you back to, but continuing in our discussion uh, with how your pain is my pain. But before we get there, there's, um, I want to make sure that uh, we acknowledge um, the fathers and the dads during all part, of Or the this. partners. The, or the, like, yes, the partners. Yeah. Because... Um, I know it during in my generation, and when I had lost Sephora, I don't know how many phone calls Dad received asking how I was, mm-hmm. and I wondered if anybody asked how he was, because he shouldered everything. He shouldered I was not well, so he was in hospital with me. He had to make all the burial arrangements on his own. Because I was too sick to to do that, and I couldn't even go to the. Um, we we I couldn't be there when she was buried, so he shouldered all of that and was my cheerleader, making sure that I was okay and checking the doctor with the doctor, etc. And um, what happened is, I finally came home, and he fell gravely ill. And he had an undiagnosed virus. Uh, And I am certain that it was from the grief that he was carrying. And it came out that way. And and sometimes men also, at least in that generation, uh, couldn't articulate their feelings, you know. Uh, But they're in this. And they need to be acknowledged. And we need to remember that they are suffering as well from loss, disappointment. Um, and I just didn't want to forget to uh, make sure that we talk about that. And that your dad was part of this uh, loss as well. And part of my hope and our hope for having another baby and having you. I know. <laughs> should we should we have a time out for a minute <laughs> no this is the point it's a... <laughs> yeah I mean dad was also just like so amazing and um that was his like you always wanted dad around in trauma <laughs> you yes, wanted the Vietnam yeah, yeah, vet yes. in trauma <laughs> he was amazing during that time I mean yes yes he did yes he was he was very much a, a help, very much a help. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think my whole life, like, if I was throwing up, it was like, yeah. if I had the flu, I'd be like, where's dad? I know. You'd be I'd like be crying. Saying, I'd be saying, I would be panicking. You can understand now also, I had lost a baby. Yeah, yeah. So I became uh, a lot more cautious and fearful and frightened yeah. every time the kids got sick. I went to the worst place scenario. Yeah. But he, being the survivor he was, just went into like, um, you know, I, the mode was like, no, we're going to get through it and they're perfectly fine. <laughs> and it's just, you know, uh, so that was the right, that was a good thing that, that I had him. Although I have to say that for women though, like he was really ready for me to stop mourning Sephora and get on with it. And I wasn't, I wasn't there yet. And I think that's just because it, it, we carried physically yeah. carried yeah. and emotionally carried that so we were a little bit on different in different uh places or stages um but uh so joyful when you arrived that was just such a huge gift and that was the term i had never heard until now of the rainbow baby i never heard of that I know. I'm your rainbow baby. Yes, you are. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Because you'll have one too. I know. It's true. 
it's it's what is just it's so it's so like unbelievable the synergies or the parallels um in in all of this um and I, I do I agree I think it does lead us I know we wanted I know it was important for you to also like and when we talked about this the idea behind you're kind of on this journey like you're on all of this with me yes and and day one has allowed me to go on it actually yeah. and to have an open um you know conversation it's allowed me to talk to my friends about it openly like I feel supported there um which before I was you know I would feel for you I would be feeling for Evan but I wouldn't say anything I was like I'm going to there I'll be there I'll be supportive and then I would go home and break down because I felt also disappointed and I felt like I want to see another grandchild and the last time Ryder came over for a sleepover I just looked at him and I thought you're gonna make such a great brother that I I want that for him as well and it broke my heart um but I know it's going to happen Mm -hmm. that I can tell you from I I just don't believe it I know it but those were the moments that I couldn't really say that to you because I thought that's like so much on top of like and you always think oh mom you're so dramatic and you know you're so emotional and I thought well I better not say that but but um your pain is my pain and at the same time I really couldn't tell you that until until right now (laughs) wow I've really put some walls up yeah (laughs) well it's been you know it's been uh it's been two it's been two years you know yeah and um You know, without, you know, there's a quote I heard in a book that said, like, within 24 hours, your loss overturned our lives. And this journey is overtaking, or not overtaking, overturning our lives in a way that, yeah, we're we're on it with you. And that's why it's great that this episode allows, you know, parents uh, to, to, uh, come along with you and support you, but with an education, with knowledge. Yeah. I, um, again, and maybe this is the selfishness in me. It's like, I didn't really think about that. Like, you know, it's a loss of a grandchild for, Mm -hmm you for you know my in-laws and um and then every round is like maybe it's just because I can't because your pain is my pain you know and and I can't like it's it is hard to see your parents sick or sad or whatever you know and it's partially it's probably me not also you not wanting to show me and then me not wanting to make you sad either. You know, like I'm already sad. I don't want to make everyone else sad or I'm not making them sad, but you know. Well, that's that's the whole thing of the burden, you know, like yeah. I can't use it's hard enough as it is. There's so many components to it all. Um, I'm just, you know, again, I think these experiences that you have and for when you're going through these fertility challenges, whether it is multiple miscarriages, IUIs, rounds and rounds of IVF, um, you're taking your, your immediate family, like your friends, yes, but your, your immediate family really on this Mm -hmm. ride with you and 
you, you know, especially I think based off your experience, it's must have triggered and like. Well, it did even when we were um, celebrating the birth of David's uh, second uh, son. Yes. And we were all together. I was, it was a complex emotion for me because on one hand, one of my my son here were celebrating uh, a birth of a, a a son and i'm sitting next to my daughter who is on her fertility journey and has struggled and has had so many disappointments and we're all in the same room and i sh- i'm sure that you are confronted with that all the time um so i i was a little emotional there for me because you i i I want that for you as well and didn't take away from my joy in, in you know, um, welcoming Asher to this, you know, to the planet and to me and to my life. But uh, you couldn't help but feel that as well. And I think that's just being sensitive. Yeah, you know, Society has just made some decisions for us. Like when somebody dies, you have to be sad mm-hmm. or you have to like hustle to make money to be deserving of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that for you, I can totally understand that you would have that emotion. I think a few people did. You know, I held Asher and. But. It's not my time. You know, I'm not saying that you, I'm not saying that that's what you were saying. I'm saying that is, people made us make assumptions that I am sad in that moment or that I'm struggling in that moment. And I don't know if it's a combination between how close Dave and I are and how I, his happiness and his, life wins I are truly my life wins um that's not that was not my that doesn't trigger me like that was not this is good this is why it's so good that we we speak about that because I had the same experience because um my brother was welcome welcoming his um uh second son when I had lost Sephora and um no first no his first sorry yeah. his first son yeah. because um my sister-in-law was uh still pregnant when I lost you which mm-hmm. was very hard and I was very aware of that and I had my wonderful new doctor when I went and I said I have to you know my my brother's having a a, a baby now and he said this isn't your time your time will come yeah and so I, I understand, yeah. I understand yeah. that. I mean, I mean, I don't even think it's lip service for you. I truly uh, believe what you're telling me. It, it, yeah. I, yes. I, I mean, you're not just saying that. I no, know I'm that not. It's true. I'm not. And, and, um, and I think your work with, with uh, your mindset yeah. work has really. Um, oh, it's been huge. Yeah, it's been huge. But, um, but I, I, but my point is I, un- I'm, I can totally understand why it would be emotional mm-hmm. for you as the mother that wants both of your children to fulfill the things yeah. that they and want. And I felt there was a loss that there also wasn't like that was our third where it could have been our fourth. Yes. So that part yes. is it. Like we've got a few things going on here. It's like One any- is a loss and the other is like, um, you Avoid. know, you're going through this now too. Um, you know, you're filled, you're full of hormones and, you know, <laughs> I'm, you know, so I, I see that too. I see there's a, you know, I see that how's that that how that has is affecting you. Yeah. So that's um something that you can't avoid. I think it's like any death. It's gonna be bitter. So you will always feel like oh Ruby would have been this age or mm-hmm. this would have happened or Dad, you know, not here and you, you miss these people in these moments. That's but right. um. But I think that um. Ultimately. You know, my point is that um, 
there's assumptions sometimes that are made for people that are going through fertility and um, they're not all right, you know. And um, I've talked to a bunch of people that are on this journey and everyone has different triggers. You make assumptions that like, you know, for me when my best friends announce they're pregnant, that doesn't upset me. When I see Ryder interacting with my with you know Asher new nephew and seeing him want to take care of him that's that is hard for me that that's not easy for me because I want this for him just as much as I want it for all of us um so what also is interesting that you said because um you talked about the triggers and all is that there's assumptions that um when you're going through IVF and I think that's why people sometimes don't talk about it Mm -hmm. why it becomes um something that is um hush hush or you know like that it's very you know um difficult that ivf must be very very difficult for the couple Mm -hmm. that's going through it Mm -hmm. and we have to be very careful what we say to them because we might trigger some you know um difficult feelings and we don't want to upset them so so that it that's not necessarily true Emily is that what you're yeah. saying for for many people I I mean it's like anything I don't want to talk on behalf of an yes. entire community I think it for you okay e- let's talk every for you. everybody that goes through this I think my point is is that they're not all having the same triggers mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. um and they don't want pity you know um but no for like I said as long as I think the people around you are sensitive to your situation and aren't throwing things mindlessly in your face and you know for me Dave was exceptionally through the entire experience so sensitive that it gave me a safe space to be fully present for him so I was it was like a two-way streak, mm-hmm. I feel like. In, and I'm just using that sp- as a specific example. Hmm. Well, I'm so good to know that I <laughs> raised such wonderful siblings. <laughs> We've had to band together, you know? <laughs> yeah. well, sometimes, it, sometimes it is this that, that, that yeah. you find that you're even closer. Yeah. So I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, you did great. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, my two miracle children. Um, I always said that you were, you were my miracle, and he was my blessing. Yeah, so, so true. Is there anything else you want to mention that I haven't covered off? Well, I wanted to go back to where we began, which is the creation of day one, right? And um, sort of maybe my observations about it. Because what I know is sometimes during bad times, that's where character is revealed. And um, I see yours, and I couldn't be prouder. And I think all your hard work and typical Emily determination for anyone out there who knows Emily, you'll know what I mean. Uh, The fact that you have shifted your focus and um, your decision to take matters into your own hands um like you said shift doing the work in the mindset um with Catherine is really been inspirational thank um, you and again you know i i want wanted to thank you but day one is is certainly helped me it's almost like it took a veil lifted the veil um, over my life and I'm happier. I'm, I feel better. I actually feel better. So I realized I was caring a lot, uh, during all this that has uh, happened to you. And as Evan so wisely put it that, you know, it takes super human patience during this time. I thought I was a patient person. You, you know, I am, but this is like, okay, it's really, really demanding. You know, they say there's joy in hope, in, in the hope. There is that joy. And I feel you're productive during all of this. Mm-hmm. You're productive. And I, that's what um, 
that's what this podcast has given to given you and consequently given to me Thank you, Mom. <laughs> well like all of my guests mm-hmm. i will ask you what would be your advice for someone who's starting day one of their fertility journey or ooh, i'm going to change the question oh no yes <laughs> I was, I was, I knew that question was going to come. Oh, I'm going to, you know what? I just thought about it right now. What would be your advice for a parent whose child is starting day one of their fertility journey? It's funny that you say that because it almost would be the same thing as I would say maybe to the, to the, Hmm. to the um, person. Yeah. But. Or what I've learned to do, maybe, I don't know, is I say take a deep breath, take a deep breath, right? And feel there's love around you, or be that love if you were that um, parent, and just surge ahead with hope um, one day at a time. That's beautiful. Well, mom, I'm just so like honored for you to come on and feel like you could share such a powerful story with me. I can cry now. Yeah, you can cry now. <laughs> I can cry now. <laughs>